and welcome to Abbey Archives, a Redwall reread featuring one pagan and one Christian going over the series to see what aged like fine strawberry wine and what aged like milk. I'm Izzy, I use sincere pronouns. And I'm Kit, I use she, her pronouns. You can find us and content for the podcast, including art and links to other Redwall-related things, at Abbey Archives on Twitter. Uh, we've talked about it before in the last two recordings we've done about our history with the Redwall series and how we're splitting up the books. Uh, I want to put in here that if y'all think that we should be putting out longer episodes to let us know, because I'm trying to keep them under an hour and a half, but maybe Redwall people want to listen to longer episodes. I will not go over two hours, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because my ADHD can't do that. Yeah, two hours is, like, right at my limit. There's a couple of podcasts where, like, um, I listen to, uh, shout out to The Shrieking Shack, um, but, like, I will usually listen to, like, just the first half of their podcast, because, like, once they're done with the actual reread of the chapters, they'll go into, like, a total tangent, and I'm just like, okay, time to skip to the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally two hours fair. is a lot. <laughs> Yeah, like if if multiple so like Escafil Files. Shout out to Escafil Files, the podcast that inspired us to make this one. Um, it Danielle puts out all the episodes for that book all at once, but uh, they separate them out so that you can listen to them at your leisure. And I can listen to all those episodes in a row because yeah. there's a break. Like it's like the episode stops. And then the next one starts. So my brain is like, this is a new thing. And my ADHD can handle it. Yeah, you get that good mental reset. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I can listen to multiple podcasts in a row. But if somebody puts out a four hour long podcast, no. Yeah. <laughs> I am well, it's like- talking about a very specific actual play podcast that did that in their last season. And I was like, why? (laughs) Why would you do this to us? And it wasn't even, there was so much that could have been cut. I have opinions about that. Anyway, we. (laughs) Another thing. This is another, we're doing some bookkeeping and we're going to mention this as well on our Twitter before this even comes out. But we are reading the books. Like I've been thrifting all of. Yeah, go get your book while I talk about this. I've been thrifting all of my books because I don't want to pay. Uh, more money for books that... forgot her book on the kitchen table again. Good job. I don't want to pay, like, a whole bunch of money ordering these books online. Um, so I've been getting them from thrifting, and I already owned a bunch of them. Um, and Kit just ordered, like, all of them, except for one book that I still have to send her. Yeah. Um, I got them (laughs) off of a website called thriftbooks.com, and they're a really good website... And you don't have to pay Amazon a penny because it all comes from like local, like little bookstores that use thrift books. I mean, like when I ordered my books, I got books from all over the country. Like I got some that were old library books, some that were old school books, some that were just clearly like an old book that somebody didn't want in their collection anymore. And they're all in like pretty good condition. They have a a really neat little thing that I'll show you. Like, you know, like this one's got some some foxing on the edges and maybe some stains and stuff like that but it's like it's an old library book i'm happy it's just not completely destroyed you know yeah you can see the love that's been put into these books and how old they are yeah Um, i'm probably going to end up using thrift books to get the ones that i'm still missing just because i'm 
struggling. Redwall is one of those series that it's really hard to find in thrift stores sometimes. Or like, it's like you'll either find It's like you'll either find an entire wall of Redwall books or you'll find like two and they're always the same two. Yeah. Like I have two copies of The Bellmaker now because I didn't realize I already owned it and so I bought it when I found it in the <laughs> used bookstore I go to. Because it was the only one there. And I was like, well, I, I get to take for me now. Um, and I found, like, a hardcover copy of Tagarung. Nice. Um, it's not one of the official hardco- uh, hardcover copies. It looks like it's one of the ones that was made specifically just so that it was in larger print oh. for, for kids. It's one of those. It's an old school library book. That's really cool, though, because, like, that's still a unique run. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, I, I needed to own this. Like, I, I already had a copy of Tagarong, but I was like, but I need to have this one. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking once I have, like, enough duplicates of books that we do, like, a giveaway or something. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and we want to apologize. We are trying to find PDFs for people to read along with. But one, we don't want to get in trouble <laughs> yeah with um the publisher uh because we can that's a thing that can happen but we are we are trying to find ways for people to read these books and if we have to pay for the pdfs ourselves we will try um yeah. we don't make money off this podcast i am paying for the hosting for this podcast out of pocket and we're buying all of our books yeah um so if you guys want to help us be able to find PDFs for people to read and be able to pay for them or pay for the hosting for them, uh, go to our parent podcast's coffee, which is coffee.com uh, forward slash hopes hearth pod. That's coffee spelled K-O dash F-I. And donate some money to us that helps pay for hosting it helps pay for the marketing that we don't have a budget for this is all word of mouth (laughs) helps us find pdfs and stuff like that like we want people to be able to read these books along with us especially if they don't own them because these books are really good i think that they are a good they're like, comfort food reads. They're comfort food reads, and I think that they're just a good series to experience. Yes, yeah. there are problems with these books, but it's one of those things where it's it's easy to just fall into them. We wouldn't be making this podcast if we didn't genuinely enjoy reading them. As much yes. as we did, we do riff <laughs> on them and point stuff out, we are doing this coming from a place of love. Yeah, we do love these books. Yeah. That's part of why we rip into them. But then you you see the parts where we find the things that we like and we're like, oh my God. And we start yeah. freaking the fuck out. But yeah. Like, if we're anybody... going to have a lot to talk about the villain, the, the end of the villain in this book because I genuinely enjoy, we're, we're mm. going to get into that. Yeah, I also made some some mistakes because I misremembered this book and we're going to get into that too. And got this me going, all wound up and upset. <laughs> I'm very sorry still. Listen, 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 listen. The last time I read Moss Flower, I was, I think, in seventh grade. You were baby. Yes. So the fact that I even remembered most of this book at all... Is very anyway, impressive. 
Yeah. If anybody has any information as well on PDFs, uh, like legal ways for PDFs, I, I hope you can hear the air quotes. <laughs> but the uh, legal PDFs, definitely not pirated. Definitely not. Uh, please contact us. Our DMs on Twitter are open. You can also con- you can also join our Discord. Contact us there, um, or DM us on our personal Twitters, etc., uh, etc. Et or email us. We have an email, which is uh, abbyarchivespod at gmail.com. Just you know, we're we're open to communication. Um, oh, also, third thing, last thing I'm gonna put out there before we move on. If you want to guest on this podcast to talk about a specific book with us, contact us. We're going to be more inclined to ask people on to guest who are in our Discord and part of our book club. But if you are in another Redwall podcast, feel free to contact us and be like, I want a guest on your podcast. We'll totally listen. We'll work something out. We're down for that. Yeah. We like we like talking to people. And I had a lot of fun guesting on another podcast, and we want to extend that to other people. So, today, we are covering the second book. No. Third and final book. You didn't fix the document to say third book, oh, and I was just reading it. Sorry. <laughs> Let me start over. We're going to cut that. <laughs> Starting over. Today, we're covering the third and final book in Mossflower from chapter 46 to chapter 52, which is called Of Water and Warriors. Um, Content warnings are most, honestly, the same as they've been. It's just removed a few. Uh, Death, violence. There's not really child endangerment anymore. No, not this time around. And there's not even a war mention. It's straight up war. Yeah. It's war, tyranny. Uh, I think we can remove unsanitary prison conditions because yeah, that doesn't. They don't go into the cells anymore. There really, isn't torture or starvation anymore. Well, I think we can Let's keep start. starvation in there okay. just based on the way that uh, Sarmina handles some things and the way that the Woodlanders handle some things. Um, there's still a slavery mention because they continue to call the people who came from the woodship. Or slaves, which I think yeah. is weird. Like they don't deserve a name or personhood. Just they are the former or like the former or slaves. Like okay, they they're not members of the quorum that. now. Yeah, uh, there's still some body horror because honestly, like uh, uh, killing things and the way yeah. that they're killed is definitely some body horror. There is still yeah. definitely sanism, um, and we get into some more Arthurian bullshit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else, honestly. Like, this one, the birds are gone. There's no more birds, except for Chib, but Chib doesn't count. Chib is the flippin' MVP, yeah. Yeah, he's real good. Um, so. Let's get into it! Whee! Um, the flooding. Would you like me to read some of it, or do you just I read it last time, so you can read it this time. Alrighty. The flooding of the underground lake has filled enough to stop the dripping sound, giving Sarmina a chance to recover. 
basically there's no more dripping. She's like, oh, good. Maybe it was just my imagination. Imaginations are very wild things after all. She's like, maybe Brog had a point. Yep. <laughs> like, she's just so, like, smug in this moment where she's like, there's no more dripping sound. It's gone. I am safe. Uh, uh-huh. This was just a silly reaction. I'm good. Except what's actually happening is that right. the water from the river has just risen enough that it's not making a trickling sound anymore, which means it has reached the bottom of the tunnels. So it's yep. just flowing straight into itself. Yep. Also, she's drinking a thing of milk. She is. Where she's is having she, like... Where is bo- she getting fresh milk from? Where? I think we need to stop questioning this. We do. I just, I want this to be, I will stop questioning it after this book. But I want my to brain is out. only, my brain is only going to like Mad Max Fury Road. Uh-huh. Uh, the mother's milk thing. Oh. Well, <laughs> Which is wild and terrible. And I don't think that that is where Brian was going whatsoever. I think it's just like, we're not supposed to question where milk no. and cheese and eggs come from. It's just, it's playing off the trope of like, cats like milk. Yeah. And this is just, it's, it's, it, it, it's definitely more of a, like, they're animals for no reason except right to be animals. Like, they do occasionally pull on some things, like, you know, like the moles having, like, the earth sense or you know, hares having better hearing or something like that, but otherwise, it's just like they're accessories, but not necessities. Yeah. Um, she... Oh, sorry, that was a gross tongue click. Uh, no, You're good. She gloats over the triumph of killing Bane and Argular in one go, and the addition of his fighters, supplies, and the fixing of Kotor woodwork at no cost to her. Basically, she really pulled a, a good one out of her hat right here. Yeah, um, honestly. Also, really quick, I want to know, like, does she have, um, like, people, like, because it shows that a lot of the, like, the vermin that we see named and the ones that talk are typically too competent to keep living mm-hmm. or incompetent. But then we get a lot of mentions of, like, the ones that are unnamed doing their jobs and being really good at them. Mm-hmm. Does she have people that just kind of sneak out and hunt for her? I imagine that's what must be going on, because, like, she, it, it says that she, in this scene, again, along with the milk, she's eating a fresh wood pigeon. So, like, there has to be people who are going out and hunting and foraging for the supplies that can't keep. Yeah. Because there's no way have, that... They... I mean, like... Considering it is a fortress, in theory, they could have a pigeon coat, but that raises a whole nother level of mm, unfortunate implications. Because the pigeons in this world are, like, the birds in this world are sentient beings as well, and, like, the thought of them being kept in a pigeon coat. Well, they're sapient until a certain point in the writing. Mm. Because, like, they they talk about, like, like, sentient, sentient, they're still, like, smarter than an average bird. Smarter than your average bear. <laughs> hey, boo-boo! Hey, boo-boo! <laughs> is that a pick-and-lick basket that I see there? Is that is a that wood a, pigeon? Is that a wood pigeon that I see there? <laughs> the <laughs> wood pigeon? God. <laughs> um, uh, just imagining, like, Brog with that voice. Oh, that would be perfect! <laughs> Hang on, let me see if there's one of his lines here. It should uh, be pretty, pretty soon in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, thank you, milady. Thank you. I'll make you proud of me. You won't regret this. Wait and see. Oh, <laughs> she cuts him off. <laughs> Speaking of Brog, Sarmina summons Brog, ordering him to set traps all across Mossflower to trap, kill, or maim the residents of the woodlands. She fucking, so Brog is like, oh, I'll do it right away. And she's like, no, 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 no. Take your time. Put some thought into this. Mm-hmm. She really well, should have like, just let him do it immediately. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is less like you mentioned here in the notes that it's like more of the idiot vermin thing. I think it's less that he's being an idiot here and more that like he's excited and eager because like he's in command now. So he's just like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do my best for my queen because she's so awesome. And she gave me this cool job and this cool it's cloak more, and this cool sword. It's more the way that Sarmina treats him. Yeah, like he's a kid. Yeah, like he's a, like he's she she treats him like he's an idiot. And he Brog is actually smart. Yeah, it's it's especially in this latter this like these last chapters, Brog shows that he's smart. Yeah. It's more that like But he also trusts her way too much. Right. I was about to say Brog's Brog's critical failing is that he trusts her in that he 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 wants to be loyal. He wants to be a good loyal general he's not sneaky and that's his downfall which is very kind of sad mm-hmm. um my other thing is like with this with brog I... sarmina gives him exactly what he should do and he just doesn't do it <laughs> yeah yeah she's like listen she's just like there you go rushing and dashing about like a sparrow after a fly priorities brog if you must do a job do it properly Take your time. Gather the right equipment together. Organize the troops into squads. Give each one a team leader and offer rewards for the most ingenious traps and the best results. Do you see the idea? And he just doesn't do that. (laughs) Well, we see that he does start to prep it. Like, he does start to do, like, what she ordered. But it's a too little too late kind of situation. Um, But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, she wastes a whole wood pigeon by throwing it into the woods to yell an empty threat at the empty forest around Kotor at the moment. Because uh, she assumes that there's somebody watching her and can hear her if she screams loud enough. Yeah, I suppose. Which I guess... Plus, also, it just makes in. her feel better. Yeah. But still, it's like, honey, you're wasting food. She doesn't care. Yeah, that's true. She thinks she's going to be living fat off the land in a bit here. Yeah, she doesn't give any shits. Hold on, I have to move my microphone. Okay. I just have to move it to the side so that my headphone cord stops bumping it. (laughs) I need to get a longer... I need to get headphones with a longer cord. But anyway. Timbalisto, go right there. (laughs) We cut to the Dibbins and the... And... We cut back to Mossflower, where Abbas Germain and Columbine are taking the children to Gingivere's farm. Um, they are given a gift from Gonf. Each one gets a sling and a pouch of throwing pebbles. And It's real good. That's just really a cute sweet. moment, because they're like, but we have to do the protection. And they're just like, listen, you'll be able to do it. Look, we'll even give you weapons to do it with. Yeah. Even though they have no idea how to use them, really. Yeah, but slings are supposedly, like, relatively easy to learn, if not oh, yeah. master, but easy to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're kids. Yeah. And, and that's probably the safer of the weapons to give them, because they're not going to be able to put enough power into them to kill each other. Right. 
Like, enough to sting, and that'll teach oh, yeah. him to be, you know... There's nothing safer. like a weapon that will teach a kid to respect that this is not a toy. Mm-hmm. Then something that'll sting the crap out of your hand, but not kill you. Yeah, honestly. Says the girl who grew up with a dad who very much taught her gun safety like you. This is not a toy, like, drilled it into my head very hard. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, back to the book. Um, the quorum who remained prepped for a go at Kotir, giving weapons and armor to those who can use it. It's such a good moment because we get, like, the... It's so gay! <laughs> it's... Oh my god! Oh my god, it's so fucking gay! I finally got Kit to admit that it's fucking gay. <laughs> like, I, Tim- like, okay, again, as the ace person, I can admit, like, like, this is a moment of intimacy. Like, putting on someone's armor... That is a very, like, you mm-hmm. have to trust the person who is doing that because your armor is your life. Yeah. You so, have to trust that they put it on correctly. Yeah. It's like and platonically so, or romantically, this is very a very close and trusting moment. Yeah. Tim Ballisto finds his old armor in the ship's, like, um, hold, basically. Yeah. Where there's a bunch of other armor and weapons and stuff taken from, like, the people who were taken on as slaves or were plundered from other places. Because this is still a pirate ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tim Ballisto puts it on Martin. He goes up, like, he goes up to Martin and just both of them, like, in silence, Tim Ballisto is, like, buckling the armor onto Martin. And it's like, oh my god. Fellas, is it gay to put armor on your old friend? (laughs) (laughs) Is it gay to put armor on your oldest, bestest friend? Uh, Yes. The answer is yes. Even if it's not, like, romantically gay, like, listen, bruh. It's gay. (laughs) It's gay. (laughs) But, like, in a good way. (laughs) And then there's, like, the fucking, um, where is it? Where is it? Hold on. Oh, where are we? We had that. Oh yeah, it was fucking. Uh, <laughs> Tim Ballisto and and Dinny get dressed up in <laughs> in the, the pirate, pirate clothes. Yeah, like, he's got so many brass rat earrings in his ears. I know. Like I keep like, imagining, like this is terrible. Like I know they mean like the ring kind. I'm guessing. But because, like, I'm assuming none of these guys have pierced ears to begin with, I keep imagining, like, those little stick-on earrings from the 90s. Nah. <laughs> like the little clips? Yeah. The clips are, like, no, but, like, I mean, like, literally, like, the stick-on ones. Like, you would peel them off, off the paper and they would have a sticky backing oh, and you would stick them oh, to your yeah. ear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, like, little weird, like, translucent stickers. Uh-huh. And you would just, like, they were, they were supposedly for your ears, but we put them everywhere. Oh, yeah, you would bling out your whole face, like your cheeks. I would even put one on my nose sometimes just because I was bored. <laughs> um, God. It's just really, it's just such a good moment where, like, Bella comes over and it's just like, well, Try well, not to laugh. Who's in charge of this bloodthirsty crew? And it's Tim Ballisto responds like, Captains Tim Ballisto and young Dinny of the Mossflower Irregulars. And then, reporting for duty, Mar. Mar. And then Dinny just... <laughs> Ha ha! We'm a right dreffle rabble and ready for fighting out. Probably said that wrong. <laughs> so He's just like, so ready it's to go. So good. And then Martin has like a secret meeting with some otters, and we don't know what that's about yet. Yet. And that's um, when we get Timbalisto 
had found his old armor in the sea rat lockers, he came forward and buckled it on his friend in silence. Setting the round war hem- helmet firmly on Martin's head, he strapped the breastplate on and buckled the greaves about the warrior's paws. Like, bruh. <laughs> yeah. Then we also have a bit of an Arthurian mu- moment where Bella and the Hares presented Martin with a scabbard and sword belt, which matched his sword to perfection. Because like, they have time to do that. Right? Um, my theory is that it was sitting around Brock Hall and it was one of those like, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, serendipitous. It was one of those serendipitous moments where it was like, hey, it was like it was made for this because we all know like the badgers have an odd kind of prescient ability. It's like yep. badgers and foxes both kind of seem to have like not exactly like future sense, but like they kind of know when there is something portentous going on. Um, and we all know in Arthurian lore, it's the scabbard that I would purely, I would prefer to have the scabbard over the actual sword because it will heal any wound. So yeah. Scabbards also, are you can like, take a scabbard and smack somebody with it and it will yeah. fucking hurt. Yeah. Those things are dirty. Okay. So back to Coter. Brog and a rat named Chinwart are prepping the traps that evening. So, like, here, see, Brog is doing what she said. He's trying to prep the traps. And then he has a moment of, like, wait a minute. Why am I doing this? And he says, Chinwart, go wake up the rest of them. If they grumble, tell them I'll sick Sarmina on them. And then the ones who do wake up, I'll give them some rations. This isn't so, in the evening. This is in the morning. No, it says it was in the evening, I think it no. was. No. Brog cursed in the half-light before dawn. Okay, yeah, so it was in the morning. I just missed Cause it. Because it was the day before was when Sarmina was like, hey, do it this way. And so what Brog did is he had gathered up as much okay. of the supplies as he could find. Like, he fucking just went at it, which is why yeah. he's tripping over it. Like, and he was, he's just like, he wished he had not been so enthusiastic on the previous day. Right. Uh, and he's, like, trying to get Chinwart to help him. And Chinwart's just like, why aren't the others helping us? And he's like, yeah, go wake them up. Right. Um, so they they muster up the soldiers to help. And then poor Chinwart, he goes outside and then runs in a panic going, Woodlanders, the Corm are outside. Like, the Woodlanders are outside and ready to get us. Um, they so have that- the whole fucking door open. Yeah, just leaves the door open. Yeah, then, it's the main gates had been flung agape, standing in the open with the dawn mist evaporating the sun around them, which that is some imagery. Oh, yeah. Because that's like you've got the sun filtering through the mist. I'm just imagining it like filtering through the mist behind them. Yeah. So you've got like the darkness of the trees, but then you've got the sun coming over it, filtering through the mist. So they're backlit. So that's like that is a that is some imagery. Yeah. I also love that like Brog actually recognizes the skipper as that brawny otter. <laughs> skipper I just think buff that's as like, fuck. It's just like a very cute little line. Yeah. And they go and they get Sarmina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarmina is like, hmm. I think perhaps they've walked straight into a trap. She's like trying to take advantage of the situation. Right. And Brog is like, but they're carrying a white flag doesn't that mean they're peaceable and she's like you can't trust everything you see brog go set up a bunch of archers and yeah it's like again like brog does but so sarmina goes out to speak with them she recognizes martin and gonf as the former prisoners and martin obviously she recognizes bella 
Yeah, of course. Martin tells her she has two options. Leave peaceably or die in Kotir. 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 She has until sunset to make her decision. Yep. And, of course, Sarmina is not having any of it. And, let's see, she decides to trigger the trap. Basically Mm -hmm. saying, you know, like, I'm going to kill you. And Martin counters with, you know, not if we kill you. Like, you might kill me, but you'll also be, be dead by the end of it. Because she notices that the woods are bristling to the brim with arrows held by every woodlander who knows how to shoot. Aimed right at her. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite thing is, like, they're having this conversation and Sarmina is, like, just speaking calmly. She's got, like, her paws spread out. Like, she just says, like... Like, Sarmina shrugged. She held her paws open wide. What happens if I choose not to leave? Martin's tone was like Boar's hammer striking the anvil. You will die here, you and all your vermin. I will bring this evil place down on your heads. Again, you have my word as a warrior. Yeah. She's just like, she does a really good job here. Like, this is one of those moments where you see Sarmina, like, is a... She could be such, like, a good, competent leader if she had been raised slightly better. Because she keeps she's her head She's a good cool tactician when, she's, when she lets herself... But yeah. she's so smug and sure of herself, like, so convinced that this little mouse can't hurt her. Yeah. So. Like, just convinced of it. And this, I can hear the words of her father echoing in the distance. Yeah. Just, like, this mouse, like, don't, uh, don't be, like, don't be fooled by the fact that this is a mouse. Hmm. <laughs> So she God. calls off the trap. Basically, she's like, okay, fine. Arrows down. Threatens Martin. This isn't where it finishes. She threatened her voice shrill with rage. Oh, no, this is only the start. Basically. And I see. love Brog, like, popping his head out. Like, don't forget to close the gates after you. And then he just laughs. Right. <laughs> like, fucking like, idiot. Like, idiot affectionately yeah it's like i didn't think i would like brog so much but i really do like he's i like him much better than the other like captains that we've had like he's much better than clud honestly yeah because like he's got a sense of humor he's it's 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 his loyalty that makes him so endearing i think because like there doesn't it doesn't seem like there's actual malice in him he's just like he wants to be fed he kind of yeah he does kind of like a little violence but it's not out of a place of like okay i feel like so my bit of a long pull here but um for those who have read animorphs or have not there's some spoilers i'm going to talk about ahead so spoilers for animorphs which wait what kind of spoilers and where oh um do you know the howlers no damn it i can't talk about them then okay i'm sorry Ah, i'm sorry screams i'm trying to avoid those who know about the howlers will know what i'm talking about but (laughs) danielle will know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah and a lot of vermin remind me of the howlers in their attitudes. Like they are just, they are raised to think a certain way and they are raised to think like that way is right. And a lot of times it's not out of malice. That is just all that they know. And I feel like Brog is kind of similar in that, in that it's all that he knows. He doesn't know a better, less violent way of life. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I feel like if the, the vermin were given the chance to like, you know, 
be with the squirrels or the otters or even the shrews, yeah. they would do well because those are groups that also enjoy a little bit of violence. Yeah. I feel like the shrews or the otters would probably be a better option than the squirrels um, because they're both, they both are attached to the water. Like it's interesting to notice that like a lot of times when an animal is attached to water, they tend to be more violent in this world. Um, Probably has something to do with the fact that Brian used to work at like docks and on ships. Right. And the ocean is violent. Yeah. But like it's violent in a way that's like, it's not aimed at you. Yeah. It's like the ocean doesn't care about you. The ocean does what the ocean does and you just try to survive it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I do think that at least the rats would do really well with the squirrels. Rats are climbers. Yeah, that's true. Rats climb. Like, when you get... I used to have pet rats. You know this. But everybody else doesn't. I used to have pet rats. You want to have a tall cage. Yeah, Because they love, they love to climb. <laughs> anyway. They'll climb up the sides of their cage. They won't yeah. use the ramps. They'll just, like... <laughs> clamber up the fucking walls and it's like you fucking idiots <laughs> you little idiots you're gonna break your legs so bella so the quorum withdraw bella shuts the door and basically has this little snarky moment of like we're shutting you in to keep you safe and not because we're scared but all the same the quorum smell a rat and beat a careful withdrawal basically to get out of arrow range and sarmina pretty much lives up to their expectation and starts peppering the woods where she thinks they are with arrows. Just Yeah, she's just like, just tells them like, everybody get up on the fucking battlements and you shoot. <laughs> the thing is, is, everybody has pulled back just far enough that they can see the arrows, but yeah. like they're just, just out of range and they're just like, eating, eating a snack. Snacks. Yeah. Just like, doot, 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 doot. <laughs> yeah. Like, Skipper munched on oat cake. I wonder if the cat's allowing her troops an early snack. <laughs> and Tim Ballisto <laughs> polished an apple on his fur. Shouldn't think so. Look at those arrows peppering the trees where we stood a moment ago. They're just like watching it. That cracks me up. And then we also have another mention of milk here where a lone hedge mouse and gone for eating some milk. <laughs> I eating prob- milk? Oh, sorry, drinking milk. <laughs> <laughs> you can't people eat who milk listen to friends at- if you hey, it. My, my People who listen to friends at the table... <laughs> um kelsey yum (laughs) i i promise also i do promise that after this book i will not be so militant about pointing out where is the milk from i do promise it's just again (laughs) we're still gonna probably point it out and be like where did they get the milk yeah just like it's just a running thing (laughs) take a shot (laughs) yeah milk take a take a shot of milk every time milk is mentioned in the book don't do that (laughs) you will get sick oh no um (laughs) Just a shot, though? I mean, there's not that many mentions. But. Oh, well. Con- consider. Consider. Yeah. There's not that many mentions in this part of the oh, book. Oh, that's true. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, the Woodlanders have a small snack while watching her futile attempt to hit them. The squirrels offer to fire back, and the trick succeeds. They manage well, to Okay, so we have to go. We have to go into this first. Okay. There's. Gonf is like, should we be firing arrows back? And Skipper's like, nah, that's a waste of time. And then Barklad, who we've had mentioned before, he's very fast. 
is like, unless we could get high up in those trees on the north side, as he's like nibbling a stick of celery. Yeah. And Skipper's <laughs> like, could you hit them from there? Or not, not Skipper, Martin. Could you hit them from there? What? Good squirrel archers. Of course we could, Martin. Martin's like, hmm. We need a decoy. Any ideas, Amber? We don't get to hear what the decoy is until it happens, and right. it's great. It is. It's very cute. Basically, they... a bush starts shaking at the edge of the woods, and Sarmina's like, we hit somebody! Hit that bush with every arrow you've got! Like, make sure they're dead! <laughs> but before that, we get... Sarmina tells them to stop firing, because there's obviously nothing there. And a fox called Bentbrush turned to his companion, a rat named Wegg. Wig. Like, those two are actually, like, okay names, though, like, all things considered. Like, they, it could yeah. be much worse. Wig. 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 Maybe he just, like, sneezed one day and they're like, hey, Wig, that's your name now. Yeah. And Bentbrush is like, Bane would have thought of something to weed him out, as, like, he said nostalgically. Wig's like, like, what, for instance? Well, like, uh, I don't know, but he'd have thought of something. If he was so smart, why is he so dead now? I know. <laughs> And then he's like, wait, the bushes are moving. It's <laughs> just like calling the bullshit. It's and so good. Sarmina's just there. I know. <laughs> which is terrifying. And like the bushes on the woods ends, edge were like just shaking and rustling. And just like fire into the bushes. And then Lady Amber is on the north side behind them. Right. <laughs> like they can't see. They don't know. Right. And the and only like, reason them. they don't manage to nail Sarmina is because of poor Bent Brush who was in the way. He just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and, you know, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. And then we learn that Logalog and Formal have ropes tied to these bushes yep. and are just tugging on them. <laughs> it's so good. Like, it's the most basic thing in the book, but it works. It's just such a good because Sarmina's does it. Sarmina's not going to pay enough attention. Yeah, she's just not right now. She she's still just, doesn't she's think of them so as worthy opponents. Angry. She's so angry, and she doesn't think they're smart enough. She thinks that she is the smartest creature in all of Mossflower. Yep. And it's like, we all beg to differ, ma'am. You like, are very smart. Like we will agree with that, but you're not the smartest creature here. There's times where you would almost say, like, she's gripping the idiot ball, but I think it's less of, like, her gripping the idiot ball and more, like, her arrogance is Yeah, what she's very comes. arrogant. Yeah. She's a cat. She's a cat, yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. So, basically, after they manage to kill a few of the forces, everyone duck and cover, Sarmina is just royally angry rips the troops a new one. In fact, like there's this really cute little scene where Chib flies back to the um to the quorum and he's like like I cannot repeat everything she said. But they're getting ready to come out and fight us. Like I love that he's just a proper he's just like I I I can't say what she said. It's just like yeah, no. It's, um, it's like see if I can find it. Do you I I already have it open. Do you want me to read it? Uh here we go. Here he is. Well, hmm. <clears throat> Most of it wasn't fit for the ears of any decent creature. But she's left a token force on the roof and is taking the rest downstairs. <laughs> and Martin is like, uh, Martin unsheathed his sword. That may mean she intends coming out to make an attack on us. B 
Bella nodded. Well, she can't get through the gateway. I've locked and wedged that gate myself. Right. Like, that is also, like, a very sound military tactic. Like, I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that this book brings that up. Like, yeah, having a fortress is really useful for keeping things out. But... Unless but you when got, you've only like, got two ways in and out, right. and one of them is on the opposite side of the fortress. Right. Redwall Abbey suffers from this a lot, too. Yeah, but, like, Redwall Abbey, like, the advantage that Redwall has is that they're entirely self-sufficient. So if they do have to close up for a siege, they yeah. will still have supplies. They've got the ponds for, and the wells for water. They've got their orchards and other fields for food. The ponds have fish. Right. So, like, they they could stay locked up in there for potentially, like, months to maybe even a year or more just on the supplies they have inside. Considering Um, how well-stocked their larder always is, they could last... If they didn't have a feast every other day... Right. (laughs) They'd have to go on (laughs) rations, but... um, Yeah. But Kotur doesn't have that. So, like, locking them in and hemming them in... Not only is that, like, a really good psychological tactic, because the troops get more and more anxious of, like, we should have left when we had the chance, but as their supplies dwindle, they get weaker as well. Like, it is, mm-hmm. it's just a very sound military tactic. It has it been is. across centuries. Yeah. I suppose, like, yeah. Uh, I want to point this out, because I really liked uh, us reading Skipper saying it. Just the phrase, pike hairs. <laughs> so it turns out that the hair so the hares use pikes that's how the hares fight that's how every hare across every book fights is they fight with pikes and pikes are really long pole arms essentially mm-hmm. they're also really good with otter javelins yeah <laughs> i mean a long pointy stick's a long pointy stick there's a yep there, there you is... don't usually throw a pike but throwing yeah. a javelin I mean, like, there's a reason that, like, again, through a lot of military history, pikes and spears and things like that are the weapons for, like, you might not be a very well-trained soldier. Here's a pointy stick. Jab it into people. (laughs) (laughs) You've got the reach. They won't get you if you're just good enough with it. Right. Exactly. So, Coter and Coram engage in battle, and the Coram beats Coter pretty handily. They do lose a few, like... Again, like, here they are, like, referring to them as ore slaves, but, like, they lose some non-named, unimportant side characters, air, like, air, yes. heavy air quotes, unimportant. And Before they even start this battle, I do want to point out, Martin gives an order. He is like, I do not want, like, I want no pitched battle or wholesale killing. Yeah. You do just enough to defend our position and make them retreat. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want unnecessary killing. Because Martin is not cruel. Right. Like, Sarmina has to die. Yeah. Because if she doesn't, then this will keep happening. Because he knows that all of these vermin will give up the minute she's dead. Right. Because a lot of them don't even want to be there anymore. Nope. And so, like, they do win, too. Like, it's, like, at the very end, like, they're, they're very much winning. They could kill them. In fact, there's even a shot where... You know, Martin could have killed Brog, but he tells Brog, no, go back, leave. Like, take your troops and leave. Yeah, he says, back over the wall, now. To Brog's surprise, the blade lowered. He found himself dashing for the wall, shouting aloud, retreat, retreat, back to Coder. Yeah. Skipper hefted a javelin, taking aim at Brog, but Martin's sword pushed the weapon aside. Enough, Skip. Let them go. Martin is questioned about this, asked why he chose to let them go. And he responds with, he wanted to let them go to 
show them that they are not evil. And Bella does agree, saying that all life is sacred. And I feel like there's a bit of hypocrisy here in how, like, some of the other vermin have been treated by the Corim. But, like, thinking back on, like, vermin that have been killed by them through the book, it was always a retaliatory killing. They never initiated it. Like, even with, um... Uh, the fox. Oh God, I just forgot her name. Um, Fortunata. Even with Fortunata, she was killed because she was intending to kidnap Ferdy and Cogs again. So even yeah. then, it was like justified. Like you have tried to do harm to our children, you must die. Um. <laughs> there's still though with the badgers specifically. There's still some hypocrisy considering the way that badgers view warfare and fighting. Yeah. Because uh, Salamandistron is literally a weapons forge, and the badgers who go there are warriors and fighters. My thing is, like, you can be an honorable fighter, but there's still some hypocrisy in saying all life is sacred. And being that willing to kill people. I, there's, okay, there's, like... there's a difference between defending what is yours and what needs defending. Right. And going out. <laughs> this this is also like a moment where like my my Christian upbringing is actually going to be useful for some of the story um, story interpretation um, in the Bible. Like, of course, there is like one of the Ten Commandments is "Thou shalt not kill," but there are several places in the Bible where like they acknowledge that yes, you are going to have to kill to defend what is yours to defend your family. Like killing yes. as like as a human being. Killing is inevitable. We are not a peaceable species. And it's not it's not like any fault or flaw of our own. It's just that is how the world is. You can't change it. You can't stop it. So like do not kill, but the rule is like just don't kill in cold blood. Don't yeah. kill just to kill. Like if you're killing to defend your family, if you're killing to defend your home, if you're, you know, killing to defend your God, you know, like so many religions have that basic thing. Like, yeah, don't kill. But like, hey, if someone's like trying to slander me, that's okay. Um, so like, yes, like life is sacred. Like we, you do want to preserve life. You want to kill as little as possible. But a lot of religions and peoples acknowledge that killing is kind of inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like it, it is inevitable, especially if you're trying to protect what needs to be protected. Right. But again, the badgers go out and kind of seek it out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is where I'm like, there's like Bella as a female badger doesn't because they're supposed to be archivi uh, like archivists, but yeah. also. Also. <laughs> also. Um, and also that doesn't even like matter because there's plenty of female badgers who are just straight up warriors yeah who are just like i will kick your ass i will kick his ass i will kick my own ass <laughs> god <laughs> okay god <laughs> anyway so sunset rolls around and martin confronts sarmina once again he, tells, yes. he asks her, like, what is your choice? Are you going to leave or are you going to go? And she answers by shooting him in the side with an arrow. And, of course, Martin interprets that as a no, stands tall even though he's been shot, and basically looks her down, promises her that Kotur will be destroyed, and then, very carefully and very nobly, walks away. 
Yeah. He says, like, after she shoots him, like, he flinches and and sways in pain, but he stood firm. Sarmina bit her lip until blood flowed. Yeah, and then he goes down the ladder and is like, then it is finished. I will bring this place down around you stone by stone. You will travel to the gates of Dark Forest. Yeah. And this is, the troops are hearing this and they're like, hmm. <laughs> Don't like that, chief. What if we just leave? Why are we fighting for her in this old ruin? Like, mm -hmm. mm, I don't like this. And then Sarmina shows, shows up. <laughs> that she actually can be a very competent leader because she's like, hey, come on, guys, think about this for a minute. Do you really think that little mouse could knock this over? And she tells she tells a couple of her soldiers, like, push this wall here. Like, you guys look like the strongest. Push this wall. Oh, see, that stone didn't move. Like, these guys don't stand a chance. And you know what? To show you how confident I am in you guys, I'm going to let you in on a secret. We've got plenty of food in the larder, so we're going to have double rations for a while. And then when autumn comes around, because everything is very, very dry, we're going to burn moss flour to the ground. And the troops are like, yay! No, she I doesn't even say that. Food. What she says, yeah. what she, what she says first is, so, so broad, like brings up a cheer and Sarmina nods gratefully to her captain. Yeah. We will last out the summer. It has been a drier season than ever before. She continued encouragingly just before the first rains of autumn come, I will have my archers prepare many fire arrows exactly like those sly woodlanders shot at us. Can you guess what I'm going to do? Burn the woodlands, milady? Who said that? I did, milady. What's your name? Foul whisker, your majesty. Well done, Foul Whisker. Good weasel. <laughs> See, Foul Whisker is actually kind of a cute little name, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, like, just, like, specifically, like, leads them to that conclusion and then encourages them. Yeah. Like, when someone says the correct thing, she's like, good weasel. Good and then job. Probably, you like, get she a gold star. star. Basically. <laughs> yeah, and, and Brog is like, I'm all for it. A lazy summer with lots of grub. I vote we stay here with our queen. She's not afraid of woodlanders. Huh. She even shot their boss tonight. I know. It's just like he's so proud of her. Like, look what my, look what my leader did. Look what my boss did. Aren't you, isn't my boss cool? <laughs> and I, I do love how, like, the troops still aren't really entirely enthusiastic, but they're just like, yeah, I, I guess we'll stay. It's better than the other option, I guess. Which is leaving. Yeah. Uh, Martin apparently passed out. After getting off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he just, like, wakes up. Like, apparently, like, the only reason that he's not dead is because of his pouch full of stones from his sling yeah. took the worst of the arrow. Like, yeah. it slowed it down enough that it didn't puncture any of his fucking organs. Yeah. And, like, this... They don't say that, but that's pretty much what happened. Right. And, like... I am I am kind of fond of this kind of trope because it's it's used quite often in storytelling and it is based mm -hmm. off of like it has actually happened in real life where like someone will have an object in a spot that will slow down like what would have otherwise been a deadly projectile. Um, yeah. But like but you get a lot of stories from like uh, World War Two uh, specifically where like somebody was carrying something in like their breast pocket. Yeah, like a Bible, took a, a pocket watch. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The The... The Bible one is, like, the one that gets me close to They're just like, this Bible saved my life. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus saves. He has proof. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's 
like, sure, buddy. Right. (laughs) Um, But, uh, so he's basically injured, but not fatal. He's like, hey, we need to get to the Wood ship before sundown. Can somebody take me there? And Bella's like, yeah, I can carry you. Um, Just Bella becomes a workhorse in this last end of the book. Like, she's just like, I'm carrying so many mice around. (laughs) Um, But Martin then goes and scuttles the Wood ship in the river. And this... This caught me off guard, and I think this is an absolute brilliant bit of writing right here. Because, like, they, you know how they were talking about, like, oh, it would take an impossible, you know, impo- it would be impossible to dam the river, even when at low tide. And then Martin's like, <laughs> want to bet? Um, and, <laughs> He's just like, bet. <laughs> yeah. So they scuttle the ship. And what kind of cracks me up is, like, how, like, the characters, are, like, they're getting all, like, weepy and sad as, as she's sinking into the water. And I'm just like... Hey, you guys have had this boat for like maybe a week. I think not even a full three days. And you're acting like she's some great noble vessel. Like this was a pirate ship. This is a ship that has so much pain and bloodshed to its history that just renaming it doesn't change what it was. And it does kind of crack me up that Brian is like, well, the good guys have it now. No need to worry about that. Don't think about it anymore. It's a good guy ship now. Um, and that just, that kind of cracked me up. They're all like, oh, she's sinking. I'm so sad. I'm, and like, Gomp's like, I'm going to sing a ballad in her honor. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't feel but. sad. Um, but it, but it does lead to this really cute moment where the skipper's like, hey, it's okay. We can refloat her. And everyone's like, oh. We can? And they're like, yeah, all we have to do is pump the water out. She'll be fine. They're just like, yes. <laughs> what they did is they didn't they didn't break anything. Yeah. They just knocked the inlets out. Mm-hmm. And those are basically plugs that are in certain parts of the woods so that when you're in a dock, you can let water out. Of, like, you can let bilge water out if right. it's gotten too high. Right. Um, because depending on where you are and, like, when you remove cargo and people from your ship, it'll ride higher in the water. Yeah. And if the inlets are above, like, certain inlets are above water, you can, you know, knock them out, let the bilge water out, and then put them back in. Yep. <laughs> but So uh, that's all they did. Yeah, that's it. So she's just, she effectively becomes a dam, and the river builds up and builds up and builds up, and then gushes into the three tunnels with a vengeance. And there's this really cute scene of like the four mole and a few other moles who are like hanging out in their little like mole hall. And then like the floor just starts rumbling and they're just like, Oh, Hey, there's the water. I'm glad I'm not in Kotor right now. And they just have like these cute, like these few cute little quips back and forth with each other. Uh, Let's see. Back the river. And then, and then this is where we start getting Kotor flooding um, yeah, because how they discover it is, is, uh, as Wegg is going down from like the battlements where he was standing, yeah. watch a, a fox is coming up from like the larder. He's wiping and like scrubbing his paws against the stones. He's like, it's damp down there. Water's coming up between the, the pantry floor stones. And Sarmina just appears out of nowhere. Like water, where? I'm just imagining like, 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 like those memes of like a character just like appearing, just like shing, and they just, just <laughs> appear. And just appears out of nowhere. And Sarmina's like, there's water. Oh God. Oh God. And like, they go down to look at it and Sarmina's like, eh, no, I hate this. And, uh, and tells uh, Wegg to go check the dungeons. 
uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the two weasels who were down there are drowned. Yep, they're drowned, they're gone, they're dead. Like, I imagine they, like, they must have been caught in the big first initial rush yeah, of the water. Yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise I don't see how they wouldn't have noticed. So, like, it's just like... Well, because those stairs are also really narrow. Right. But it's just like, God, like, again, like, trigger warning, drowning has got to be one of the most terrifying ways to go. And just, like, drowning underground is even worse. I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, like, I feel really sorry for these two easels. Like, they just... Same. Like, not only were they guarding nobody because there was nobody in the dungeons... But, you know, they got drowned, too. It's just like, oh, yeah. that sucks. Sarmina just gets herself immediately to her chambers, which is, like, one of the highest points in Kotar. Yeah, she is. She's just like, abs- I'm not, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and she just starts shooting arrows into the forest, like, show yourselves. Martin, come out and fight. For listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives. And if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!